so appreciative for last week in, in Rusty. I got to watch online. Like, that was fun. That was good. I was going to comment in, uh, in the, the bottom, you know, like some people do. Sound, sound needs to be turned up, light. You know? It's like, I don't get that, you know. Like, just give us a second. <laughs> give us a second. We'll fix it. So if, if it's not working, give them a second. They'll fix it. But I really appreciate Rusty preaching last week. I'm making space for relationship, space for, for people in your life. And, and I also want to say that we had some awesome, we had some awesome things happen last week at Keystone that I just want to bring to the front here. Like, we had a mission trip last week. I don't mean our team that's still on the trip, but we took a mission trip to Philadelphia last week. Did you know that? Some of your kids went down to the city. They worked. I mean, I hope if you didn't, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you should, because then you could see the pictures of a lot of these things. That is so cool to be part of a church that has little kids going on mission trips. You guys like that kind of stuff? I do. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on there, but... And, uh, and also, we had the turkey bowl last week. Our, our students knocked it out in that area. Did anybody get to come and participate or watch the turkey bowl? Anybody? It was pretty intense. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I refed with Rich, my buddy Rich, about seven games, and uh, that was enough. That was enough for me. Uh, they wore me out, up and down, up and down. And you know that you've got a great outreach event when the language on the field is, uh, well, I just won't say anything else, but let's just say... We are reaching beyond the walls of the church. We're nailing it in that area out on the gridiron, the turkey gridiron. But uh, here today, it's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, space for the things that matter in your life. Hopefully, you've been making space. We've, we've talked about making space for wisdom. We've talked about making space for your heart. We've talked about making space for your money, rest, forgiveness, all these different things. Last week, relationship or friends, all these different things. And I, I really hope and I pray that that this isn't just an exercise in hearing from me, you know, but that it's an exercise in hearing from God, and you've actually been doing it. Uh, so I'll just take one of them. Who, who has, has actively made space for rest since we talked about it about five weeks ago? Who has actually taken it seriously and actually looked at this? Good. That's like six of you. That's great. I'll assume the other 180 of you were already doing it, and those six are just behind. No. Guys, listen. If you don't do it, you won't do it. Isn't that, that is prophetic. If you don't do it, you won't do it. You got to do it. Like the reality is some of you won't, you won't do it. And so you've, you've got to make space. You've got to do the things that God is teaching you and showing you and not just keep juggling. I'm not going to juggle today. Not just keep juggling everything in your life. So is, is the things you're busy on, are they focused on the right things? Nothing wrong with being busy but are you busy in the right area? Another way of saying that, does your busyness lead to rest or does it just lead to more misery? Is the things I'm doing actually leading to, to rest in the Lord or is it just leading to, to misery? And so today we, we kind of hit a topic that I think is maybe going to be your favorite because it's your favorite thing to talk about yourself. We're gonna, we're gonna make space for you. Uh, for, for me, right? So you got you to flip the pronoun there. I'm going to make space for me. You just want to say that with me? I'm going to make space for, for me, right? Not you making space for Mark, but I'm going to make space for myself. I'm going to look at who I am. What am I supposed to do? Like what in the world am I here for? I mean, why, why would we do that? Is this a self-help sermon? Absolutely not, but it will help you. Is this a feel-good sermon? I don't know. I don't know if you'll feel good about it or not. I feel good about it. So I've already made space for me. But I know this, if we're going to make space for the things that matter in our life, 
I matter to God. You matter to God. And so I want us to just pray right now, pray right now that no matter what you're thinking about right now, no matter what is on your mind, no matter what to-do list you're sneakily making on the inside of a piece of paper and you don't want anybody to see you in the church doing that, like no matter what you got going on in your mind right now, you just close your eyes with me and just say, God, I want to I just really focus on making space for me. What do you, you want to show me today? Maybe whisper that, you know, God, I'm opening my heart to what you want to show me today about me. And as you're praying, I'm going to read this verse, First Peter. Like if you're on the fence on how God feels about you, just hear what the apostle Peter wrote. He said, but you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Just pray that right there. Uh, God, I I am your own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who call you out of darkness into his Marvelous light. God, I don't pray that that would be true. I pray that I would believe that's true. That you chose us, you called us royal, you made us holy, and we are your own possession. We matter to you. Son, Jesus' name, amen. Here's something foundational right out of the gate that you have to get. God, you ready? God made you on purpose. God made you on purpose. Say that with me. God made me on purpose. God made me on purpose. Some things aren't made on purpose. I read just this morning, the slinky, not made on purpose. You are not a slinky. Some dude was trying to figure out a way to use coiled metal to wrap things. And for cargo, it fell on the floor. And guess what? It did what a slinky does. And he gave up his life as a packaging engineer. And he said, I'm going to make slinkies now. Good choice, billionaire. All right, what else? How about, you know, have you ever had a potato chip? You know, a potato chip wasn't made on purpose? That a guy at a restaurant kept sending potatoes back to the chef saying, these aren't done enough, these aren't done enough, and you know what the chef did? I'll show you. I'll show you what done looks like. And he cooked the, well, I'm starting to sound like a turkey bowl football player here. He cooked the you-know-what out of it, sent it back out there and said, have at it. And potato chips were born, and now you can't just eat one, right? How about us, though? Do you think that, do you think that, that the Lord in heaven was, was, like, trying to create something else, and, like, we're the mistake? Like, ah, well, you know what? I was, I was taking a whack at something else, and you came out, so I guess we'll keep you. You're what we got. No, no, absolutely not. I am not an accident. I am specifically designed for a specific purpose And I would even go further to say, in a specific time in geography. I was created for a reason. God made me on purpose. Say it with me. God made me on purpose. What is that purpose? What is that design? If I'm going to make space for myself, I should probably know what I'm here for or how God created me. 
If you turn way back to the beginning of your Bibles, right after where it lists all the books in alphabetical order and in all the orders, in Genesis 2 it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust, from dust, from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living what? Creature. So get this. Next time someone says to you, Joe, Joe, you're a dirt bag, you say, absolutely right. Absolutely right. God formed me from dirt. He breathed in my nostrils, and he made me a living creature. It goes on later in 18, uh, same chapter. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. You get what's going on here, right? And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So dog, you know, that's good. Aardvark, he probably started there, AA, you know, he worked his way down. And the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Side note, how hard do you think he looked? You ever think about that? Like, do you really think he was like looking at the animals and being like, well, obviously elephant ain't going to work, right? Like, that's not going to work. And I know without my wife, I can't find anything. So, like, we had to have woman in order to find things, right? Adam had it all. Perfect harmony. Awesome view. No sin going on. Just sitting around naming animals. He had everything you can imagine, but he didn't have the one thing he needed. And so God knew that. So it says, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man and the man said this at last is bone of my bones flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father if you've ever been to a wedding that I've uh, you know conducted you've heard these verses this is very important a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and they weren't ashamed which is pretty incredible i think because the the one became two and then the two became one and it was all on purpose it was every bit on purpose this very first happy couple some of you have stood before people and if you, you've heard that verse and you've said, yes, we are going to become one. It's not a commandment to get married. Marriage is a gift. So if you're here and you're single, you're not married, maybe you don't want to be married. That's not a sin, okay? I always say this. I try to make this so plain and clear. Marriage is not the varsity and single people aren't the JV team, okay? Just waiting to get in the game. No, 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 no. It's a gift. But in this case, God saw it, he wanted it, and so he made it happen. But he doesn't just, the important part is this, he doesn't just create us and then leave us to figure it out. I am made on purpose for a purpose. God gave me, he gave you something to do. You know that, right? Like even Adam, what did he get? What was the first thing he told him to do? Name the animals. That'd be good. <laughs> I don't know how long it took. A lot of animals. Aardvark. Ant. Some other A's. What is it? Alligator? What'd you say? Ant eater. I feel like that's kind of like... Okay, so, uh, you know, <laughs> so he gave him something to do. He gave him a purpose. Do you think that that just ended with Adam? Sometimes you can look at something, you can tell what it's supposed to do, right? If I, if I pulled out a hammer, you'd kind of know what to do with a hammer. You, you hit nails with it, right? Pull them out. You got me on the job. You use the back half a lot to pull the hammer out, you know. If I pull a chair out here, like, oh, yeah, that's for, 
you know, sitting or standing. You never know. You can stand on a chair. But a boat, you know, you can figure out what a boat does. But do you ever just look in the mirror and say, like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can figure out what I should do when I'm hungry. I can figure out what I should do when I'm sleepy. You know, I'm tired. I could, I could figure out those things. But beyond that, I need some guidance. What am I supposed to do? Because I know this, we were in, created for a reason. In fact, if you just want to bottom line this whole thing, the reason that we were created was to enjoy God. We were created to enjoy God. And the more I enjoy God, the more glory he gets. And the more glory he gets, the more I enjoy him. That is what stands behind why God created all of us in the first place. He didn't create it because he needed a pal. He created it because he loves us and he wants us to enjoy him forever. Forever and ever and ever. And the more of us there are worshiping him, the more glory that God gets. In fact, look in Genesis 2.15. It says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You ever pray over that verse? Do you ever spend your HBO time, your foundation time every morning? Do it every day this week. Say, God, you took man, you took a person like me, a woman like you, and you put me somewhere and you said, work it and keep it. Now, do you think it was in God's intention that all of us would be farmers? No, I don't think so. Some of us can be farmers. I'm not a farmer. I think his intention was to say, I'm going to give you something to do. And I'm going to show you how to do it. You, you give the command and then you show how to do it. Work it and keep it. Another way of saying that, and you could write this in your Bible or whatever you keep notes on, is this is a command to worship and obey. To hear from God, to worship him, and to obey what he tells me to do. That is my purpose. Work it and keep it. Worship and obey. I hear from God. Here at Keystone, we say this a lot, don't we? I hear God, I believe God, and what am I going to do? I'm going to obey God. So what to make then of my purpose? What to make of my work? If I'm working, how is that worshiping? Some of you would not say your job is worshipful, would you? Would you? Like, I can't. I'm a preacher, right? Do you think that can get skewed for me? Do you think I can do this for the wrong reasons, just like you can do your job for the wrong reasons? Absolutely you can. We, we get everything out of whack, and I feel like we talked about this a little bit uh, in weeks past with making room for space or even money, but by glorifying God in everything, by, hear me out, by glorifying God in everything that I do, that means my work, my play, how I raise my family, how I drive to work, all those things, my existence is not tied to my performance. So if you're a student, what have you been led to believe your existence is tied to? If you're a student, how well you do, right? Your academics, your grades. Not, now, if you're a student in the room, do not turn to your parents and be like, not studying anymore. No, that is not what I mean. That's not what I mean. If you have a job, what do you do? Oh, my existence is tied to how hard I work and how much I make, whether it's money or, or the product, right? Or, or maybe my existence is tied to how much money I make. And the more money I make, the better I am. This is completely under attack in our society and culture, this idea of what work is. We are told that we work to attain. But then God says, no, you work to worship and obey. Work is a gift. Notice all the passages about work are prior to the fall, which is coming up in just a minute. Work is a gift. So I work a job. 
I work with my, my, my mind, my hands, the things I do. I work in such a way that it will be worshipful and be obedient to God because I know my place. I'm working it and keeping it. I heard a great story one time. I don't know if it's true. I've told it a bunch. I've told it so many times that I think it's now true. Do you have any stories like that in your life? You just told them so many times, like, it's got to be true. There's a guy that was in a park, and he was watching another guy clean the porta-potties. Now, that is not an ideal job for me. I don't want that. That's not what I want to do. But he, he just happened to be watching this guy. You know, the big truck. The, I'm not going to get too into details how it works. I think you know. And uh, he was cleaning it. And as, as he got close to this guy, he noticed the guy was whistling. Clean and porta potties, whistling. Got a little bit closer, noticed the guy was whistling and singing worship songs. This struck him as strange. Clean and porta potties, singing hymns. So he said, Why are you so happy cleaning such a messy, awful job? Here's what the guy said, allegedly I work as though Jesus Christ is my next customer. I don't know what image that puts in your mind. But here is a guy that understood how it worked. I work as if Jesus Christ were my next customer. So I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're making pizza. I don't care if you're building houses. I don't care if you're a tax attorney. I work as though Jesus Christ were the next person to walk in my door, and that's my next customer. That is who I'm working for. I've said this before. I don't know. When you pull out your paycheck and you see that little signature, yeah, 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 that's, that's right as far as the IRS and your bank is concerned, but that is not your boss. Jesus Christ is your boss. Whatever I do, whatever you do, I do it unto who? The Lord. Where do we get it out of whack? I do it unto me. For me. I worship him in the way I do things. I do that on purpose is what you're bring is what you're doing is it bringing glory to God how can i ever make space for me if i don't know what my purpose is your success is not tied to your circumstance god created you on purpose for a reason and then he gave you your purpose he told you what to do Guess what else he gave us? We, we already saw this. He, in, in the case of Genesis, he gave uh, them each other. But he's still doing that, not just in marriage, but he's giving us each other. So God didn't just create you, put you on an island, and send you out somewhere and say, figure it out, you're all on your own. No, no, no. God gave us or put us in community. Can anybody say community with me? I, I, I hope you're at Keystone. We call it, and there's a lot of ways to be in community in the world, but we call it community groups. It's a great way to get together, talk about your life, maybe have a snack. You guys eat at your community groups? Yeah, it's like the best part, right? What snack are they going to bring? God put us in community. God gave us to each other. It said in Genesis 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all every creeping thing that creeps. <laughs> I love that language. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Who's this us? There's not a lot of people on the planet at this point. Like, who's the us? The Trinity. 
God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. We are designed to live with others because we are designed in the image of God who is in perfect community with the Trinity. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So even, even if it was just, just Adam, right? Even when it was just Adam, he had a burning in his heart. He knew, like, something's off because I have a burning desire to be around other people. And if you're Adam, you're out of luck. You're the only person. But he knew he was designed to be a part of something bigger than him. It is hardwired into you. We are designed to be relational. Even if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm just not a people person. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. Because there's other people that aren't people people, and and you're probably going to be friends with them. You ever notice that? You get together with other people that aren't people people, that's your people, all right? We are are able to conduct our lives and get along with others and get along with ourselves because we have to understand who we are, that we are designed to live in community with each other. We're created by God. We're given purpose by God. We're designed to live in community and get along. Does anybody think that we're really good as a society at getting along? Remember last week we had an election? Anybody remember that? Do you think that is a banner day for getting along? We did it! We all got along. 50-50, again. Sometimes people at Keystone, they say, Mark, you should, you should talk more about politics from the pulpit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should? That's easy for you to say, right? Because we live in a society where anything you say, 50% of the people hate it. And I'm not even going to say 50% love it, because they don't. Because that is, that's like part of who we are as a society is not getting along. There's whole verses in the New Testament about don't be quarrelsome, get along with people. We're going to actually talk about that in January. But why don't we all get along? Like if I'm making space for me, if I'm, if I'm supposed to be created by God and have a purpose, then, then why don't I just do it? Because up until this point, we've seen some pretty, pretty incredible stuff in Genesis. God's making animals, naming them. You read on, you see God would come and he would like walk with them in the garden and spend time relationally with them. Like, what, what happened? What's the problem? It says in chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Snakes are crafty, aren't they? You ever see a snake? Yesterday. Yesterday, me and Billy were walking, uh, not important, the backstory. We were trying to look at a tree. I don't know, just going to look at a tree. Anyway, and I'm walking, and there was a snake on the ground in front of me. I thought it was a rope, which my mind wasn't thinking, why would there be a rope in the wood? But anyway, we, we stopped, and we stared at it as if it was an anaconda. Backed away. Like it was a time bomb, you know what I mean? Like, don't breathe, don't touch, it's gonna kill us, right? Little snake, little crafty thing, right? We did hit it with a stick, it went away. Probably what she should have done. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You remember God gave them a purpose and he told them what to do. He said, work it and keep it, don't do this. This is how you can obey me. You don't just tell your kids to be obedient and then not give them something to be obedient about. That's what God did. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree 
the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, which he didn't say don't touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now you remember prior to this, they were naked and what? No big deal. Not a shame. Now they know. Now there's some imagery in there that they were covered, and now they're not. And they know it. We, we say that all the time, right? When we get to the New Testament and we say, Jesus covered our sins. This is, where, this is why. We need a covering. However you want to think about that, like a blanket, right? Jesus covered me with himself because I knew I needed it. This is new to them. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth. They had to make their own blanket. Hey, we just messed up. We know we did. Now we're aware of our problem, so we're going to spend the rest of our life trying to cover it up. Anybody in that camp? I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make up for the mistakes I made. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which was very common for them, the cool of the day, walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Do you ever do that? Do you try to cover yourself? I mean, were the fig leaves not sufficient? Now we got to go hide? As God is walking to talk to me, to spend time with me, to be relational with me. Like everything the serpent said came true. Our eyes were open and we knew we messed up. And so now God is walking in the cool of the day and now we're hiding from him. We've covered ourselves with what we think will work and now we're going to hide from him. Like they had never done that before. It's just amazing to me. I, I love the book of Genesis. Someday we're going to preach to the book of Genesis here. Not next year, because it's going to be huge. It's going to take a long time. What verse am I at? Nine. But the Lord God called to the man and said to them, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. That's the first time ever in history that someone has been afraid. Wasn't the last time, though. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Not so fast, Adam. It's on you, buddy. You take responsibility. I actually think that what he said there is a sin. Take responsibility. What is this that you have done? The serpent deceived me. And I ate. Listen, guys, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate of the fruit, when they did the thing they weren't supposed to do, one thing they weren't supposed to do, it ushered in a new type of reality. Gone was this harmonious relationship where a very clear purpose, a very clear relationship between God and his creation. Gone was that satisfying relationship they had with others and, and all relationships. Like this is, that's the way it was meant to be. That we would walk harmoniously. That we would get along. We wouldn't actually need to vote. 
We have God as our king. We, we still do, you know. Regardless of election results, Jesus is the king. He's the Lord of the realm. And I'm a steward in his realm. So I can, I can even be upset or I can be happy about results, but it doesn't change the foundation of the world that I am to listen to God. I'm to worship God and obey him because he's the king. And so when I mess up, this, this result is I, I, even me, even you, all of us, we are continually struggling with the same thing that Adam and Eve struggled with. And that's why we got to spend time on us. We got to know who we are, what we are, and what we're supposed to do. This is why space for self is difficult. Because we fill it with so many other things. So here's what I know. One big thing is it stands in the way of you. You ready? It's the same thing that stood in front of them. What's the last word? It's underlined. Uh, fear. You ever, you ever get afraid? When was the last time you were afraid of something? Be honest. Last 12 hours? Last 24 hours? Last week? I don't know. You know, sometimes on Saturday night, I have a moment of unbridled honesty with you as your pastor. I always go over my, I write them way in advance, you know that. But I'll go over on Saturday night and Jennifer will catch me. And here's what I'll do sometimes. I'm sitting in my, my little chair and I'll get done. I'll go, I don't know. Like what? I'm like, not very good. Then I'll have to remember, it ain't up to me. He's the king of the universe. He gave me something to say. So I don't need to be afraid to say it. The one big thing that stands in the way of you is fear. It's the first reaction that we see in the garden. Adam and Eve, they, they hid why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid. What were they afraid of? They didn't even know what fear was, but they knew they, knew they felt it. And the reality is, deep down inside of every single one of us, we have this little core, this little lava hot core that sometimes burns with fear. Fear. Because we have felt the destructive consequences of Adam and Eve. We, we have a marred image. The image isn't marred. We're marred. And so we have a fear. Fear about what? Who we are. What I'm supposed to do. Uh, think, things like this. Uh, fear of not being loved. You think Adam and Eve felt like that? Man, he's not going to love us anymore. We blew it. You ever fear God for that reason? Uh, messed up. He's not going to love me. Uh, how about this? You ever fear being alone? God's going to leave me. Those sound like familiar lies that the devil whispers in your ear. How about this? I'm going to be embarrassed. Adam and Eve didn't know another, there was not another person on the planet, and they're covering up like they're going to be embarrassed. What's the villagers going to say when they find out we had a, there's no villagers. It's just the two of you. You're hiding from God that created everything. You think he knows where you are? Oh, I wonder where Adam is. It's like when you have a toddler and they hide, like behind the ottoman. You know what I'm talking about? Because they don't want you to find him. You're obviously found. He sees you. He knows you're there. We all have a fear zone, don't we? Somebody gets a little close to us, they kind of hit that little fear zone. You light up like a Christmas tree, don't you? Oh, man, you're in my fear zone, so I'm going to attack or I'm going to retreat, withdraw, isolate, because that always helps. Never. Plot revenge. Maybe I'm just going to numb the reality. I'm afraid to face it. 
So do we, do we look at a situation that we are in and we give up? Because we are now living in a world of sin. And, and guess what? We're not the only ones here anymore. We're living in an entire world filled with selfish people. Sinful people. But I think this is incredible. I mean, I just sometimes can't believe this, that we have a verse 9 in chapter 3. It says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? I already read that a moment ago, but I just think it bears repeating. Where are you? Is God calling where are you to anybody in this room today or maybe at home watching? Hey, where are you? We can really see God's love in the way that he seeks out Adam and Eve. He doesn't, he doesn't come to condemn them. Notice his first words aren't, I can't believe what you did. He doesn't seek to condemn them. He, he comes to find them. Why did he call out? He was giving them an avenue. You believe in your heart of hearts that God is still calling out? I do. You believe that every day when you get up, the voice of God is saying, listen to me. Love you. Look at all these things I've created. Most of it was just to show you that I'm real. Love you. Nothing you can do to make him love you more. Nothing you can do to make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you. Stray off that path. Do the one thing he told us not to do. He doesn't come to embarrass you. He comes to say, I love you. Where are you? And he's constantly, constantly, constantly calling out to you. You don't need to cover yourself. You don't need to hide from him. You don't need to lie to him. He loves you. Just like if you're a father here, I'm a father, right? Just like if you're a father, you love your kids. You love your son. I have a son. I love my son. Does he anger me sometimes? 100% yes. Does he sometimes do things I wish he didn't do? 100%. I remember when he was a little kid, he would get into these dino vitamin gummies and would just eat handfuls of them. And I'm like, good grief, is that going to kill him? Like, I don't even know. I don't know. It didn't. Kill him? I guess they're fake. I don't know. I don't know. He's a super immunity system. But he would eat handfuls of these things, and I would catch him, and he would run away from me, just like Adam and the guy. I'd come in and be like, what are you doing? Right? Boom, you take off up the stairs. Little kid, right? Quick, take off up the stairs. And I would walk into his room, you know, and I'd be like, what, is, what are you doing? You ate all those vitamins again. You can't be doing that. And he would try and say, I didn't eat any vitamins, just like, just like Adam. And he'd have, like, running down his chin. And I'd be like, listen. You don't have to lie to me. I already know you did it. So if I'm able to do that with a little boy, don't you think the creator of the universe, when you are sprinting away from him with whatever you did all over you, and when he looks you in the eye, it isn't, I can't believe you did that again. No, he looks at you and says, you don't have to lie to me. You don't have to cover yourself. I have a King Jesus for that. And he will cover you. So let's go to him and say we're sorry. Because you don't have to hide from him. And every single day of your life, he is calling that out to you. I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't have to hide from me. 
I sent someone to fix what you did in the garden. I gave you a promise and God never lies. He never lies. And in the appointed time, he sent his word and the preaching of his word. His word is Jesus. And Jesus died for you because of what they did in the garden. You say, well, I didn't do that in the garden. Yeah, but you did something. Okay, you didn't eat the tree, but you did something. And you've been trying to cover it and hide it and sow fig leaves on it. And when God walks by, you're like, well, he won't see us if we just hide a little bit. He sees you. You don't have to lie to him. And I think for some of us today, just making space for ourselves ultimately means I got I to gotta give in to the plan, which is Jesus. And I got to give him everything I got. And so when our worship team is coming up, what I'm going to ask you guys to do is to just close your eyes, bow your head, and some of you right now in this moment, you need to give in. You need to give in to King Jesus. Some of you are already believers. You are Jesus followers, but you are off the path. And he is calling out to you today, and you're just trying to hide. You give in to him right now. You have a little relational moment with King Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit. You say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you have never given in to King Jesus. You've never given in to him. But you are just feeling shame, and you're constantly trying to cover it, and you're constantly trying to hide. Listen, you're not trying to hide from me or the church. You're trying to hide from God. And he loves you. And so maybe right now in this moment, the Bible, you just got to know that the Bible says if I confess my sin, if I confess it, he is faithful to forgive every single time. He will forgive. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He made you to worship and obey him. And the more we do it, the more glory we bring to him. So right now in this moment, there are many of you, many of you, maybe even watching online, that God brought you here. You, you found this YouTube channel for this moment in your life, in your space, in your time, in your geography. Give your life to Jesus as he is walking through the garden and he's saying, where are you? And some of you need to raise your hand and say, I am right here. I am right here. If you are ready in this moment to give everything to him, then you, you speak to him, you pray to him, you say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. It means I've made mistakes. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you came in humility for me. You died on the cross for me. You were buried in a tomb for me. You rose again. You, you defeated death for me. That's my covering, Jesus. You can say that. You covered me. And so now come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. You are my God. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Let's make space for ourselves who we are, what we are to be.